Hello everyone, welcome to Cornwall Insights latest podcast. Today we are talking about our recently published report in which we unlock net zero strategies for businesses. If you haven't already done so, please download a free copy via our LinkedIn page or Twitter. Um, my name is Kate Hill. I'm a lead research analyst at Cornwall Insight, and I'm joined today by James Wood Robertson, a partner at the law, law firm Shoesmiths. Hi, I'm James Wood Robertson, and I am the head of the energy and infrastructure sector group at Shoesmiths. Uh, we act for uh, developers and investors on, on a range of clean energy projects across the length and breadth of the UK and internationally, and also act for businesses uh, formulating and implementing their net zero strategies including advising on corporate power purchase agreements, formation of ESCOs, uh, connecting into heat networks, on-site generation and supply, and, and all of the, obviously, all of the regulatory issues that, that surround those issues. Great. Thanks, James. Okay, so since 2019, when the UK became the first major economy to pass national laws to reduce all greenhouse gas emissions to net zero by 2050, there has been an increasing number of businesses looking to reduce their emissions and become sustainable organisations. Pressures, including those from consumers and investors, are driving many companies to set more ambitious targets for net zero implementation before 2050. But setting a target can be the easy part for many businesses, but actually achieving net zero creates complexity across sectors, technologies and various business structures. So our report explores the potential routes to decarbonisation that businesses have at their disposal for meeting net zero targets. And in this podcast, we will discuss the report's key findings and get James's response um, to these in particular. So James, we've heard in the news and seen advertised many large corporates setting out their net zero targets. Do you think that all companies are confident in speaking publicly about their net zero targets and strategies? And in, in, in a word, in a word, no. I don't think all of them are at the moment. I, I think most, if not all, you know, medium and large corporates recognise the need to have a, a net zero strategy, obviously, and and, in, and increasingly they understand that they need to be able to communicate that strategy clearly and effectively to customers to, to stakeholders and, and to staff you know you can you hear all the messages and the noise from various corporates clearly some are very confident in doing so but 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 still many are not i think sometimes that's maybe because they feel they they haven't got a fully formulated and coherent strategy at, at the current moment or or maybe perhaps because they don't feel that they've got far enough along on that journey, particularly if they feel, I think, if they feel that they're behind the competition. Uh, you know, in terms of business, there's a sensitivity and a, a, a psychology that makes corporates handle sensitive matters like this, like like a, a net zero strategy with extreme care. And, and I think sometimes that results in, um, I suppose, a less is more approach to communication. So they'd rather not say too much and keep their cards a bit closer to their chest. There are obviously so many different types and sizes of businesses across numerous sectors. Um, so there's obviously not going to be a one size fits all strategy for achieving net zero. In your view, James, what are the key steps that businesses can and ultimately need to take in order to reach net zero? Well, I think I think the first thing they need to do is understand where they are um, in, on, on the journey. So they need to analyse and understand their current carbon footprint they need to know where their starting point is 
Uh, next, uh, and, and really importantly, they need to secure that internal buy-in. They need, and that needs to be from board level down all the way through the business. But in terms of being able to drive forward a strategy, um, we've seen uh, with businesses that we've acted for, where they those businesses that have been the most successful are where there have been one or more senior level champions who really drive the strategy forward and can really push push ahead and, and drive the company drive the company forward. Now, once that, once you've got that buy-in, obviously you then need to set corporate targets. So, um, and those targets need to be ambitious, uh, but but deliverable. There's no point in them being pie in the sky. And then to develop a, a framework um, to measure performance, um, the company's performance against those targets. Uh, within the business itself, the, those the senior champions but also feeding down to management. They need to engage with staff uh, within the business as obviously as a key stakeholder within the business to create momentum to drive the, the strategy forward. Um, and as, as we've just discussed on the, on the previous question, then there's the time to go public with the strategy and, and test it at that point against your harshest critics, you know, your, your customers, whoever they, whoever they may be. And then finally, along with implementing um, the Net Zero initiatives, the business needs to measure and publish its achievements and, and not be afraid of doing so, um, and not being afraid of, of, of uh, being criticised and being challenged in terms of their progress and also themselves being critical and challenging their own progress against the strategy. Yeah, that's great. Some really useful um, steps there. Um, so non-domestic consumers, um, are increasingly interested in sourcing green electricity to meet expectations from stakeholders, investors and customers as part of their corporate social responsibility and commitment to meeting net zero targets. Green tariffs um, offer a straightforward and cost effective way for businesses to decarbonise. James, do you have any thoughts on, on this and what other aspects businesses can look at to reduce their carbon footprint? Yeah, of, of course. I mean, it comes at a really difficult time at the moment, doesn't it? I mean, everyone's, you know, well, lots of businesses pushing ahead with their net zero strategies, but it comes at a, at a time when so many businesses are being squeezed with soaring energy prices. So there's already huge pressures on businesses in, in terms of in terms of being able to weather this storm, hopefully a hopefully not a, a long prolonged storm of, of very high energy prices. But really within a business, if a business is serious about achieving net zero and going green, the least it can it should be doing is buying green energy. Um, but I think when a business is buying green energy, looking at, at the green tariffs on offer, I think it, 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 it really needs to look a bit deeper and look in more detail at how green that green energy is and where it's coming from. And, and also to consider how that you know where that green energy is coming from and how it's sourced how that fits with their strategy if for example that the business is really keen on delivering additionality then then you know you know new projects out there to really drive and promote new projects then maybe just buying green energy green tariffs from a supplier isn't going to be consistent with that deliverable crucially i think what will be most effective for each business really depends on that business 
So the, as, as we went back to the previous question, they need to look at where they are at the moment, what the business is like and what's going to have the greatest effect. So if a business has a really large vehicle fleet, then moving to EV or hydrogen fuel vehicles might be most effective. If the business got has got high demand for heat, then perhaps on-site clean energy generation, heat generation and heat and uh, CHP might be a highly effective solution. But for me, it's it's so much about it is energy efficiency it really is the elephant in the room every business needs to look at what energy need not be used whether it's heating or lighting or or, or not making a journey uh, uh, by car or by train or by plane looking to reduce the data it holds uh, if it's a if it's a, a heavy data uh, uh, user um, so that it can reduce its backup capacity requirements because obviously that has a, will have a significant uh, carbon footprint for the business. It really needs each business to take a critical look at every aspect of its business, how energy is used, how it can be reduced, and how the residual energy requirement is sourced. Yeah, some really good good tips there. Um, on-site generation um, can also be an option for some businesses to reduce carbon emissions, energy costs, and also ensure long-term stability of supply. And um, what are the key considerations there for businesses, James? Well, I mean, for some businesses, it's going to be on-site generation if, um, is, is uh, you know, something that they should really be looking at. For other businesses, it just won't make sense at all. It's not going to be suitable for all businesses. For businesses that have large sites, lots of land um, and, and lots of resources, then it, it, it may well be. The right way to to proceed but for some businesses they might have site constraints that that are just uh, or, or even not site constraints but even constraints as in they they take a lease of a site and uh, they're not going to be able to get landlords consent to put on any on-site generation so it, it doesn't make any sense for them so there'll be site constraints and also considerable upfront costs if they are looking to source it themselves they also need to look at um, any grid connection costs if it's going to be a grid connected uh, asset. Um, also, they need to be looking at and thinking about um, if there are any uh, non-commodity costs that can be that can be avoided. Um, there also may well be um, uh, you know policy costs um, uh, and um, you know with the network review and um, policy cost reallocation uh, coming down the line. Um, I think another one is 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 how another key consideration for businesses is how and when they they use energy, uh, particularly electricity. Is there uh, a, a, an option for using storage so that they can uh, use draw off energy storage, electricity storage during uh, peak demand for them if those if that falls within expensive times, so they can make cost savings there as well. So. Yeah, various different matters for businesses to consider on on-site generation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, quite a, a complex area for some businesses to look at as well. Um, so we've also seen an increasing number of large credit-worthy companies use corporate power purchase agreements or CPPAs um, to purchase renewable energy directly from a renewable energy generator. Is this an option for other businesses at the moment or in the future, James? I think it's a it's it's definitely an option. CPPAs are definitely an option for big businesses. 
Um, but based on the current counterparty requirements of developers, investors, funders, um, uh, CPPAs are really only going to be available to those 15% or so of UK businesses with a balance sheet uh, strong enough to meet those to meet those requirements and to, to bear the risk of these CPPAs. Um, so for the for the more more traditional sleeved and virtual PPAs, it, it really is an option only for the largest of businesses. Perhaps on smaller projects, um, there's the, there'll be uh, the possibility for local private wire arrangements. Um, that, that those could open up an option for smaller companies, um, but that will depend on there being a project within, you know, proximate to that business or to uh, to, to to a part of that business, so they can so they can um, run the private wire directly from the project uh, to to the business. Um, uh, so whilst CPPAs, I think, have an important role to play, they're not—they're just not going to be a viable option for the large majority of corporates in the UK. I think we need to look potentially at what can happen in the future and, and where CPPAs may go. They could have a wider role to play. So ways that I know people are looking at to try and make them more accessible to smaller corporates. There's options for possibly uh, PPA clubs, so clubs of corporates grouping together to be able to enter into to be able to enter into a, a CPPA or, or potentially smaller companies entering into um, a CPPA as a bolt on to a larger deal. Uh, so if there's a, a large anchor contract with a large corporate, then perhaps a smaller corporate could could uh, bolt on on the same on the same terms. But again, there's a there's a options I know being explored at the moment, but um, it may well be a, a, a little while down the track before those come to market. Okay, so net zero by 2050 obviously isn't going to achieve, be achieved without collaboration among businesses. How do you see net zero being achieved, James? Well, I, I think it's it's on everyone. It's, every, it's everyone's responsibility. So it will require everyone, you know, whether it's government, corporate and individuals to take responsibility for their own actions and the actions of those whose goods and services they buy and use. People need to vote with their feet, um, shop where they want at responsible corporates and drive drive the initiatives forward, put the pressures on the corporates to 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 meet their goals, meet their targets. But there needs to be a collaborative and coordinated approach between all of those, all of those uh, parties, government, corporate and individual. Um, and those you know, really importantly, those with resources helping those without. So I think there's a there's a there's a big role I see in in large companies and and industries in helping su support SMEs that maybe don't have the the resources and the uh, in, internally or the financial resources to be able to get external support to be able to push forward uh, their own initiatives. Businesses could start that by helping their supply chains in meeting net zero targets. I know that's already happening in, in, in many businesses, but we really need a coordinated whole system approach to achieving net zero. I think government should provide a stable and, and a, a stable and certain regulatory environment, uh, providing that investment certainty that, that the private sector needs to be able to make long term investment decisions. I think that's the very least the government should be doing. And clearly, if it can do more to incentivize and support um, businesses in achieving net zero, then that would be you know, clearly that would be well received.
Thank you so much, James, for your inputs today. A closing thought to leave our listeners with is why stop at net zero? Why not be proactive and become a net positive business? So as I mentioned at the start, um, the points in our discussion today form some of the key findings of our research report on net zero strategies for businesses. You can access a free copy of the report via our LinkedIn or Twitter pages um, or indeed Shoe Smith's website. Um, also, if you want to find out more, then feel free to contact myself at Cornwall Insight or James at Shoe Smith's. And um, before we finish as well, I just want to say um, a thank you to all those who contributed um, to the report. Thank you for listening. Mm -hmm.